Welcome to Urban Born Northwest with your co-host Haywood Evans and Eddie Rye. Uh, we're trying to get uh, Mayor Victoria Woodard's Mayor of Tacoma on the line. Uh, you know, I just thought about something, Hayward. Uh, when I talked to uh, Mayor Kent Kill, he did re remind me that there was a sound transit board meeting today, so I hope that's not the conflict because that means that she will be tied up all afternoon. But a lot of things are happening. And uh, on April 4th is the 53rd anniversary of the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and as the MLK Commemoration Committee has done over the past five years or so, uh, we've recognized not only the national holiday, uh, the 63 March on Washington, which occurred uh, August 28, 1963, but also uh, remembering uh, the price he paid for our freedoms. And that was his life in Memphis, Tennessee, trying to help black garbage workers uh, get equality in terms of employment. And here we are 53 years later, we still have the same struggles, but uh, do we have the same commitment? And uh, right now we know a lot of things in the country is happening. There's uh, big hassles and problems at the border. Uh, there are problems with COVID-19. Uh, there's a lot of problems, but what I'm concerned with is where is uh, the concerns and the agenda for African descendants of the United States enslaved? Uh, we cannot be left out or forgotten about once again because there are other things that require attention. But I want to make sure that our needs and our aspirations are not forgotten. And with that, uh, I know that uh, we're in the process of seeking funds from uh, reputable individuals and organizations to remember Dr. King and the price that he paid. And so I just at this point in time want to give some folks a shout out who've been supporting Urban Forum Northwest, who've also been supporting uh, the community, especially as it relates to civil human rights and particularly the rights and opportunities for descendants of, of uh, African slaves. So uh, I want to uh, thank, first of all, Sound Transit. Uh, Leslie Jones is uh, the chief business and labor uh, compliance person. And then on the board, we have uh, Dr. Kent Gill. Okay, now we have the mayor is on the line. Welcome, Mayor Victoria Woodards. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Mr. Rye. How are you? Okay, I'm glad you made it. I thought, I thought maybe you were at a board meeting, but Hayward Evans is my co-host. He's also on the line as well. I was going to say hello, Hayward. Hey, so, thank you. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Now, did you, first of all, be before we even get started, we've been talking about Martin Luther King, and you have been recognized by the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee this before we start talking about Tacoma and all the business. We want to, first of all, thank you for your commitment to equality, to equity, for anti-discrimination, no matter which way it comes or how it talks or walks. And uh, so uh, Hayward had dropped off a plaque. I don't know if you received it yet. I think you, and I'll let Hayward take that up. Who'd you give the plaque to, Hayward? I uh, gave the plaque to a security person at the municipal building where they have a phone number. I called the phone number. He came out and got it. He did, and it is in my office. All right. Oh, great. That's the first thing I and, want to hear. It's in your office. <laughs> it is in my office, and I just want to say how honored I am to receive the award and how grateful I am for the recognition. We don't do this work for recognition. We do it because it's the right thing to do, but I am truly honored and grateful. Well, you are worthy, I tell you that. Uh, you have really uh, been successful in dealing with a lot of issues, uh, compounded with uh, COVID-19. I mean, that must be extremely difficult. And I sympathize to all the elected officials, most of them, except for the non-mask wearing 
uh, vote stealing and voter suppressionists and insurrectionists overthrowing white supremacists. But for the rest of the common sense uh, elected officials, I sympathize with uh, the challenges you have to deal with, but I also admire the courage that you have to take on these challenges. So uh, what are some of the major issues? And you know, you've been in the office for a little while now. I'd like to have our listeners, because well, I know a lot of people never talk about accountability, but I want you to talk about your accomplishments that, since you've been in as the mayor of Tacoma, Washington. Well, I so appreciate that, Eddie. And you're right, it's so hard to talk about what you've done when there's so much to do. Um, especially given what cities have gone through the last year. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm just waking up and pedaling as fast as I can to keep everything on track. Um, but but we have done a lot, and, and, and we are getting through um, COVID. But I think I could just talk kind of broadly about what we've done over the past year in COVID um, when we think about how we've supported our community. Um, we spent over two million dollars in helping people pay their um, pay their utility bills. We spent close to a million dollars, and we'll be rolling out more money that we've done in rental assistance. Um, spending the same amount of money in helping small businesses, and most recently, um, actually hired some community navigators to make sure that we were particularly connecting with. Um, minority-owned businesses or BIPOC businesses. As you all know, when we talk about providing assistance, especially to some of our small businesses, the traditional ways don't necessarily always work, um, especially for small business because small businesses are normally ran by very few people. And so the ability to check all those emails, fill out all those forms, and even just be aware of everything that's going on um, when you're trying to keep your doors open in a time like this is very difficult. So I'm really proud of the work that our economic department um, has done in terms of really being um, intentional about reaching out to small businesses in our community, especially in our BIPOC community, to make sure that they're getting the support um, that they need. Um, and so those are just a few things that we've done in the past year that I'm really proud of. I guess what I would say is if we talk about what I'm most proud of, um, especially in the last year, is really the passage of our Resolution 40622. And while it was words in a very long document that talked about not just the city's commitment, but this council's commitment to equity in our community and not just equity in the criminal justice system, but equity in all systems um, that, that have an impact or that provide um, barriers to people's success, or as we say in Tacoma, in the city of destiny, to reaching their full destiny. So I'm really proud of the fact that we have not only taken the words in that document um, and put them on paper, but we've actually realized some of those words in the standing up of our Heal the Heart core coordinating team that's really going to look at um, all of the practices in our community that from the ability to reach their full potential. And uh, we noticed that uh, a lot of the cities are having problems with, uh, and that before I go to the share, we're having problems with new forms of entertainment that young people are now engaged in. I'll admit that when I was young, I used to race through the Mount Baker Tunnels in Seattle. So I'm not without, without blame, uh, I but that. I know that uh, I, now it just seems like it's a lot more dangerous with cars spinning around like they do with people standing around 
it's kind of frightening. And I'm just saying it's happening all across the country. And I don't know if that's, uh, I mean, you know, there are different strokes for different folks in different eras. And I think there were some probably things we did when I was a teenager that probably young people probably think was nuts today too. But how do you go about controlling that? Well, you know, I, we actually will be bringing forth some, or actually brought forth some legislation that we passed on Tuesday um, about street racing. And I, I really, what I appreciate is that, like a lot of issues that we're focused on, even in, in affordable housing, we're focused on it from a regional perspective. So all of the cities and towns in Pierce County have come together to take a look at their code and at all of their ordinances and laws to make sure that we have the right things in place and we're strengthening our laws around street racing. But we're also working because, as you said, what's so important is that um, we all did something when we were teenagers or in our young 20s. There was something that we all liked or did that necessarily wasn't loved by everyone else. And in some cases was probably not the most legal thing. I can't think of, think of what it was, but I'm sure there, there was something. And so we all have that. So part of our, part of our regional focus is how do we find a safe place for those who want to do this? You know, um, how do we use one of our racetracks or how do we create a space so that people can go out and do this safely? And that's for the people who want to drive like that and for the people who want to watch it. Because we know that I think in the last couple of years, there have been accidents um, in Washington state where people who have just been watching have been killed. And so we've got to be really careful about about people who want to do that for both the people driving the car and and for the for the bystanders. So working not just to strengthen the laws in Tacoma about you can't do that, but also thinking about how we provide opportunities for that kind of behavior to happen in a legal way and in a in more importantly in a safe way. Now I want to be I want to be honest because the first thing people are going to say is we're talking about street racing but we're not talking about the incident in Tacoma. And I want to be clear that that incident is still um being in, investigated by the PC FIT team, which is the Pierce County Force Investigation Team. And when we get the results of that investigation, we'll take appropriate action. So I want to be clear that looking at, at our current code does not mean that we're not going to take action when that, when that um, investigation comes back. It's just we're, we're not going to sit on our hands and do nothing while we're waiting on that investigation to come back. Well, before I go to Hayward, I'm not going to actually comment on Ed Troyer, but anyway, because he's a he's a Pierce County problem. But man, that's been all across around the world about him down there getting a Mr. Alzheimer killed, whose grandfather was a bishop and has a street name for him in Tacoma. So anyway, Hayward Evans, question or comment for Mayor Victoria Woodards? Well, first, I'm well, going to... Eddie, 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 if I can just jump in, I just want to say it, it, but let's be clear, while, it, while Ed Troyer is an elected official by the county, it happened in Tacoma. And so on Tuesday night, our council voted to, um, to send out a statement that we are crafting now that will talk about our support of an independent investigation of the incident that night and other incidences that have been brought to light and have occurred. So, I, sorry, Hayward. I, I did hear that. I should have mentioned that, to, to be honest. But go ahead, Hayward. Well, well Mayor Wood, I just want to start off by congratulating you on getting the uh, Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee Award. Uh, and for those people, it's a public servant award. Usually people say public service. No, you're more of a servant. Everything that you've done uh, from 
from the perspective of the committee has been done in the spirit of Dr. King. And you got the award, it says, because of your decision-making processes and, manage, and managing public affairs and resources far exceed uh, the criteria set by the committee. So I'm just, I'm just very proud of you. And I'm looking forward on, I'm looking forward on uh, April 4th at five o'clock on, uh, on seattlemlk.org website that everybody can see you get your award, well-deserved. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, the servant part is the most important part of 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 that of that uh, of that title of that word public servant um, because I do really believe that we're all called to serve our communities in some way and we have to step up and it is about being a servant it's not about you know your own um, record like you know like we were just saying it's hard to list that you know have a list of all the things you've accomplished when all you do every day is you want to wake up and you want to serve your community better than you than the day you did before. And that's how I choose to live my life. And another thing I want to include is that you are definitely a stalwart member of the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective on the calls, accessible, and sharing information every Saturday morning from 830 to 10 that you're in town. And I also want to give a shout out to the newest member of the Congressional Black Caucus, Congresswoman Marilyn Strickland, uh, your predecessor. Uh, uh, who is uh, always available and amenable to folks. So, uh, but I just really uh, uh, appreciate the work you're doing. And uh, uh, I, I just want to say uh, you're, you got a reelection coming up. Or are you uh, thinking about running for a, another position or what? Uh, not another position. I just like to continue to be mayor of my city. That is, I am focused on the city of destiny right now, and that's how I want to spend my time and my energy. Um, I have led us through this recovery or through this pandemic. I want to lead us out of this pandemic um, and back onto the solid ground that we were experiencing before the pandemic came. And, and that's the commitment that you've had for as long as I can remember. And uh, you also had some outstanding folks who were mentors. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, Mayor, uh, Madam C.J. Walker's great-granddaughter is on the line, and I want you to say hello to Leela Bundles, and she's going to be doing something live with the Northwest African American Museum on Sunday at 3 o'clock. So, Eric, is Miss Bundles on? I'm here. Miss Bundles, we have on the line the mayor, the distinguished mayor of the Tacoma, Washington, uh, Miss Victoria Wooders, and I just wanted to make sure that you had a chance to say hello to her and she say hello to you. Well, I'm delighted to meet you, and I'm here. I was listening to you talking about your leadership on getting folks through the pandemic, and I know you will do that. Well, thank you so much, and it's an honor to be talking to you. Your grandmother was such an inspiration and is still an inspiration to us all. So thank you for being here. Look forward to, to seeing the event on Sunday and hearing you on Sunday. But thank you for joining this, these two great guys for a conversation. And Hayward and Eddie, thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to seeing everybody on the fourth. Okay, then. Thank you very much, Mayor Winters. We appreciate your time today and all the work you're doing. All right. Thank you, you guys. Have a good day. Okay. Now, Ms. Bundles. Uh, Hayward Evans is my co-host and just wanted to, if you could just take a couple of minutes and share a little background about yourself <laughs> and then take a, 
take a, a few more minutes to share some background information about Madam C.J. Walker. That would be a very appropriate. We do appreciate you taking the time out to be on today, and we're going to promote, like Matt, the event that the Northwest African American Museum is putting on on Sunday, uh, the Descendants Series, and boy, they really got an appropriate person to represent her great-grandmother. So go right ahead, ma'am. Well, you know, I thank you so much for inviting me, and I will just let folks know that we met uh, a couple of years ago at the Congressional Black Caucus during a, a breakfast for women in politics, and it is very nice to be with you again. Uh, I am Alelia Bundles. I'm Madam C.J. Walker's great-great-granddaughter and biographer. I myself am a journalist who spent 30 years working with NBC News and ABC News, but I now... I full-time write books about the women in my family. Madam C.J. Walker, as many people know, had something to do with the hair care industry. She was a pioneer of that. Born in 1867, first child in her family, born free on a plantation, the plantation where her parents and older siblings had been enslaved. But by the time she died in 1919 at age 51, she was a millionaire who had provided jobs for thousands of African-American women, a philanthropist who contributed to the NAACP's anti-lynching movement, uh, and uh, as the Guinness Book of World Records says, the first self-made American woman millionaire. Give us a little information about where, where was she, where was, what part of the country was she born in, and where did she migrate to, and uh, how did she operate her business, how did she start her business? Absolutely. So born in Delta, Louisiana, on the plantation, on a plantation on the Mississippi River, right after the end of the Civil War. And she moved from there up the river to St. Louis 10 years uh, when she was 20. Um, she was a widow at that point. Her first husband, Moses McWilliams, had died. She had a daughter and her older brothers had moved a decade earlier. And they really were part of that, mig that first migration that followed racial violence after the election of 1876. They had become barbers. They were members of St. Paul African Methodist Episcopal Church, and it was the women of the church who gave her, who gave Sarah Breedlove, which was her birth name, uh, a vision of herself as something other than an illiterate washerwoman. She learned from them. She developed a hair care product after her hair began to fall out. And then she moved to Denver, <clears throat> where her good friend Charles Joseph Walker, a newspaper man, joined her, hence Madam C.J. Walker. They traveled um, throughout the southern and, uh, and western United States, settled in Pittsburgh in 1908, and then in Indianapolis in 1910, where she built her factory. And then her daughter, who was running the Pittsburgh office, persuaded her that they needed to have a presence in Harlem, so they built a building in Harlem. She commissioned Vertner Tandy, the first licensed black architect in New York, who was also one of the founders of Alpha Phi Alpha, to um, design their house. And then Madam Walker herself moved to New York for her residence in 1916 and then built her mansion, Villa Lawaro, in Irvington, New York. It is uh, still a, uh, national, it's a National Historic Landmark, as is the Madam Walker Legacy Center in Indianapolis. But along the way, she trained thousands of African-American women in her Walker method of hair care. Those women, in turn, didn't have to be maids and laundresses and sharecroppers, had their own businesses, uh, were independent economically, bought homes, educated their children. And she also infused them with a sense of 
responsibility to their communities and political activism. So I will just finally say at the night at her nineteen seventeen convention, that one of the first major conventions for women entrepreneurs in America, she told the women, I want you to understand that your first duty is to humanity. I want others to look at us and realize that we care not just about ourselves but about others. She gave prizes not just to the women who sold the most products, but to those who contributed the most to charity. And at the end of the convention, the women sent a telegram to President Woodrow Wilson urging him to support legislation to make lynching a federal crime in response to the massacre in East St. Louis. I want to see if my co-host Hayward Evans has any questions or comments for you, Ms. Bundles. Oh, Ms. Bundles, I just listening to you, just this wealth of information. And I can say, look, at the fruit don't fall far from the tree. Boy, <laughs> right there. You're, ab you're absolutely magnificent in and of yourself. Uh, you know, and I'd like you to touch on, too, because she even long before um, Avon, the rest of them, she was doing door-to-door -door sales to empower people. That's right. She was, she was teaching women to uh, be economically independent. And the California Perfume Company, which was Avon, was actually founded in 1892. So they were around before her. But this was a model for black women. And Mary Kay was born uh, two years after Madam Walker's first convention. So <laughs> Madam Walker was way ahead of her time. But I particularly love her, her activism and what she, the model that she set for women. My good friend Tiffany Gill, who's a history professor at uh, Rutgers, has done research on the civil rights movement and was able to find that when the churches became too much of a target during the civil rights movement, it was the black beauticians who owned their own businesses who often were able to host meetings in their shops. And some of those same women... Um, helped to pay for the buses to take people to Washington in 1963 for the march. But look, that that is absolutely fantastic, and your and your family has continued continued that legacy. So now, uh, when you uh, speak this Sunday, can you just give our listenership some of the topics? Sure. Well, I'm I am really glad to be. Um, connecting again with my good friend, Lanisha, whom I met when she was in Flint. So Seattle is very lucky to have her there and uh, also to uh, be in conversation with Brandy. So we're going to have a good time. But talking about Madam Walker's legacy as a businesswoman, as an entrepreneur, but, but also talking about family legacy, um, as Lanisha said to me, this is the Descendants series. So I will talk about how the various generations of my family have both kept the legacy alive but carved out their own, um, you know, their own accomplishments and their, their own achievements. Now, you see, I see, a, I see a movie in this or at least a TV series on Netflix. Well, you know, now you know that Self Made came out exactly a year ago with, uh, based on uh, m my book, On Her Own Ground, The Life and Times of Madam C.J. Walker, was optioned and made into a four-part Netflix series starring Octavia Spencer. So it is a fictional Hollywood version, um, not particularly historically accurate, though Octavia Spencer was excellent in the role. And now I am almost finished with um, the first major biography of Madam Walker's daughter, my namesake, Alelia Walker, and her life in Harlem during the 20s. So I think that will make a, a good series one day as well. 
Now you have an event that's coming up on uh, Sunday at 3 p.m. and it's sponsored by uh, Lanisha DeBartleban, our CEO and president of the Northwest African American Museum. And can you just talk a little bit about that? I know you probably are uh, in demand all the time being a publisher and then having a, a very famous great-great-grandmother. Uh, could you just share with our listening audience a little bit about how that whole concept works and uh, Will you talk about your book? I know you'll talk about your, your relatives. So how will that work? Yes, and it absolutely. Will it... Well, we will be virtual, and I'm going to present a PowerPoint presentation with lots of my vintage um, photographs. My family saved a lot of great photographs, so I will be showing images of Madam Walker and Alelia Walker, as well as some of the other members of my family, and encouraging people to document their own family history. And then Brandy Mitchell and I will have a conversation as a, because she's an entrepreneur and she really understands what it's like for women in business. We're going to talk a bit about that. And as I say, I'm really glad to be um, connected again with Lanisha. We first met when she was in Flint and she hosted an event with um, Michelle Duster, Ida B. Wells's great-granddaughter, and Nettie Washington, who was a descendant of both Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington. So the three of us were on a, a panel together. So Lanisha has a great track record of bringing people together and letting us tell our stories. Lanisha is also, the, I think, the chair of the National Af uh, the, uh, Association of uh, uh, African American Museums nationally. I think so, that yes, I think I believe that is right. She is a she is a multi-dimensional, multi-talented woman, uh, and I'm just I'm so glad that she thought my story with Madam Walker was something that would interest uh, folks who are in in Seattle, and and we're we're really expecting the people to be tuning in from other places. It's just that I will virtually be visiting all of you in in Seattle, and I you know I'm, I'm I will we will be taking questions. So if People have um, questions that they want to ask about Madam Walker or Alelia Walker or that period in history. I am totally, totally looking forward to those questions. And once again, that's going to be three o'clock Seattle time. And I know on on NAM's uh, website they have all the information. We'll also provide that on uh, the Urban Forum Northwest website and the MLKCC website as well. And uh, I don't know if you heard that we know uh, we have a Martin Luther King commemoration committee that that observes the anniversary of Dr. King's assassination, the 63 March on Washington, as well as the annual MLK holiday. Uh, because right now, with the madness going on in this country, we need all Dr. King. We can get all of this philosophy of nonviolence and embracing each other as human beings as we can get. Uh, we can't get enough of that right now. And I think what's happening in society is pretty much proving that point. There's just so much hatred, so much division, but I'm still trying to figure out how can 60 or 70% of the people be for uh, the COVID-19 relief package and their senators and members of Congress oppose it because uh, they want to be obstructionists, I guess. But anyway, I just had to get that off my chest. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, we actually, we really look forward to uh, seeing you on, uh, on Sunday. And I want to see if Hayward has any uh, any further questions or comments uh, for you, Ms. Bundles. Well, Ms. Bundles, first of all, I want to thank you for being with us again. But, you know, I think one of the critical questions is going to be, well, just how did she get started? Going from a life of enslavement 
into becoming that kind of person that that original that that first step what would that be that's a, that's a great question and one of the things that we don't learn enough about our history but something that has really struck me as i've done this research for many many years now is really looking at that first generation out of slavery um who were creating institutions so Grew institutions like the National Association of Colored People, like the National Association of Colored Women, the National Negro Business League. There were these people who were just out of slavery, wanted education for themselves, for their children, and they knew that they had to create businesses and they had to create civil rights organizations. And so there were women in her church who were club women, some of the founders of the National Association of Colored Women, who were creating social welfare entities, and she was learning from them. The AME Church was very instrumental in her vision of herself. She had, a, even though she was a poor washwoman, she had a good enough voice to be in the choir. So she modeled herself after that more aspirational middle class set of women. And really, it was necessity was the mother of invention. When her hair began to fall out, she started experimenting with um, products, many products that were really already on the market. It was a basic formula of an ointment like Vaseline with sulfur, which was a medicinal agent. That once she washed her hair more often, her hair, she was going bald, once she washed her hair more often and applied this ointment, her scalp was healthy, her hair grew back. And it was a very common ailment that women had when most people didn't have indoor plumbing. So it was, you know, something really very basic, but at a time when there was no national or international cosmetics or hair care industry in the way that we take it for granted now. Well, Ms. Bundles, I just want to let everybody know that we met uh, September 2019. Uh, it was at uh, the National uh, Congress of Black Women uh, Incorporated, Dr. Ethe Williams, who's been a regular guest on this program, and she also is a syndicated columnist with Trace Adney, and her column appears in the Seattle Medium newspaper. But at that at that breakfast, they also had the relatives of Harriet Tubman. That's uh, right. Who leading that. So I had a chance to meet a whole bunch of uh, of uh, the the ancestors of a fa very very famous black women. So it was a pleasure meeting you there as well. And once again, I look forward to seeing you and hearing you Sunday at three o'clock. And this program will repeat on Saturday morning at 7 to 8. It'll also be archived on our website. Uh, Stephanie Ogle, from, she takes care of our technology. So we'll have that up. But I want to thank you very much for your time today and for the, the history lesson. Really appreciate the lesson on well, your great my mother. my honor. <laughs> and we will, we will see you on uh, Sunday at 3 o'clock, and we'll get the word out to everybody else. So thank you very Fabulous. much for your time today. Thank you. Okay, Eric, we're going to take a uh, quick break and come back with Dr. King. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. 
Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hello, my name is Hayward Evans, co-convener of the Martin Luther King Jr. Commemoration Committee, MLKCC. Annually, we present programs that highlight Reverend Dr. King and local civil rights leaders that made significant contributions to better our community. Easter Sunday, April 4th, is the 53rd anniversary of the assassination of Reverend Dr. King. Due to the COVID-19, this year's program will be live streamed on the SeattleMLKCC.org website. There will be music, and four local civil rights leaders will receive their awards. Again, that's Sunday, April 4th, 5 o'clock, 53rd anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King. For more information, call 206-778-6357. That's 206-778-6357. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country. Maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly somewhere I read of the freedom of speech somewhere I read of the freedom of press somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right and so just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around We aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. to live a long life longevity has its place but I'm not concerned about that now 
I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. All right. You know who that is, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And, uh, on April 4th, the Martin Luther King, the Seattle Martin Luther King County Commemoration Committee will be observing the 53rd anniversary of the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that occurred April 4th, 1968 in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, as he was helping uh, the black garbage workers uh, get their, their uh, get justice in terms of uh, payments and what have you. And that's where you saw the signs they carried that I am a man. And uh, 53 years later, we still need to carry those signs in some communities. So uh, Hayward has been working diligently uh, on putting together the program. Uh, we will be joined shortly by uh, Sarah Sense Wilson from Urban Native Education Alliance. But Hayward, why don't you take this opportunity to give people the information about the event? Uh, we're going to surprise everybody and make the announcements on who the rest of the awardees are next week. We mentioned already that Mayor Victoria Woodards uh, was selected for her uh, commitment to public service as uh, the mayor of uh, Tacoma, Washington, and for the outstanding job she's been doing, especially in the midst of this pandemic and other issues they have, like the Manuel Ellis event. And then uh, all of a sudden it comes a few months later that uh, Sheriff Ed Troyer almost got uh uh, Mr. Alzheimer killed as he was doing his job delivering papers to feed his family. Uh, but uh, and then the man lies and says that he threatened to kill him and 41 cop cars responded. You know, it's a good thing that Mr. Alzheimer is still alive today. That's what gets brothers killed. Usually they just have a cell phone or like the little Vietnamese brother have a pen in your hand. You, uh, it's a real threat when you get shot in the back twice. Come on, y'all. Hayward, you want to comment on that? Well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that. And that's why it's so critical. And even as you mentioned earlier in the show, that every event or major activity, significant activity as it relates to Dr. King, we make sure we commemorate. You need to remember these activities and they need to go generation upon generation, similar to what other cultures do, i.e. the Jews do it all the time. Some of the Latino groups do it all the time. The Asian groups. We need to also make sure we're commemorating and remembering our history, remembering the direction that we're going. But, you know, as you mentioned earlier, that Sunday, Easter Sunday, isn't that ironic? It's Easter Sunday, 63rd anniversary of the uh, assassination of Reverend Dr. King. But Easter, 53rd. 53rd. But it'd be Easter Sunday, April 4th, from 5 to 6.30 p.m. The other awards that are going to be um, uh, uh, given out that evening are the Living Legacy Award, out there in the listening audience, who do you think deserves that? The Living Legacy Award and also Community Leadership Award. And the final award, Education Advocate Award. We're going to be giving out the Education Advocate Award. And for the evening, the keynote speaker is Reverend Dr. Leslie Braxton. And he's, been, he, he, 
he got to have a bigger picture on, on the ads now. Yeah, well, you know, hey, <laughs> well, he, I know Reverend Braxton. Well, <laughs> Reverend, I, I did not do it. I apologize. We I did. Put, yeah, I did. <laughs> we got to put him back here next week. He got to have a bigger picture as our <laughs> keynote speaker. <laughs> we appreciate you, Reverend Dr. Leslie Braxton. We're going to make your picture bigger next time. I got to call <laughs> Stephanie and say, can you please make Reverend Braxton's picture a little bigger? Okay, we have uh, Sarah Sense Wilson on, on the line right now. Sarah has been fighting a diligent fight. Matter of fact, she received an MLKCC Award for Education Advocacy last year because of uh, what she had to endure with then Superintendent Denise Juno and the abuse that uh, the Indian education programs were uh, taking. And it was led by stalwart Sarah Sense Wilson of Urban Native Education Alliance, UNEA. Sarah, welcome back to Urban Forum Northwest with Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Why don't you give us an update? Uh, you overjoyed. There's a change in leadership at uh, the Seattle School District. Apparently, there's a school board member, at least one or two, that's not going to run for re-election. Okay, thank you. Han Anpetu Washte Ma Takiapi Hayetu Chante Ma Washte Sarah Sense Wilson Ima Chiapiaye Ma Ogalala Lakota Pilami Mayaye Thank you for having me again um, back on Urban North Urban Forum Northwest. Really appreciate it, Eddie. Um, yeah, so just um, quick background on UNEA. Um, UNEA is a grassroots, volunteer-based, student-centered and grounded um, in cultural values and practices organization. UNEA is the largest and the longest-running community-based organization supporting Indian education in Seattle. Our vast contributions towards improving um, educational success of Native students is directly attributed to our holistic approach. And we provide students and families with COVID relief support, um, tutoring, mentorship, cultural activities. And most recently, um, we launched our Clear Sky Academy, which is a Native-focused course um, called American Indian Historical and Contemporary Experience. And this course is a high school social studies um, credit class um, through our partnership with Yellowwood Academy. Um, in regards to any progress, we have not yet seen um, or experienced improvements with how Seattle Public Schools is delivering support or educational services to our families or our students um, as a whole. And we recently did a survey as part of our community outreach um, where we touched bases with parents and parents were very uh, expressive in letting us know exactly what the challenges were and the access issues regarding um, the mechanisms in place right now with um, addressing equity and um, they're aligning their misalignment with actual practices and policies under the strategic plan. So parents, um, what they're reporting back to us is that there's, um, there's a lack of advocacy, that their IEPs are not being followed, that there isn't um, any additional um, support being, being offered, that there's uh, that they aren't providing individualized student 
assistance, that laptops aren't working, that were issued by the district, and they're not getting enough assistance with uh, managing and having consistent Wi-Fi. There's uh, parents are experiencing just multiple like technology problems, and and that they don't see the district making efforts to uh, connect them with community resources. And some of the most critical needs that are being identified by parents are um, number one, they're saying they want, they need, they still continue to need assistance with food and with basic needs, um, mental health resources and support, um, educational advocacy. Um, they need, there's a uh, need for ongoing assistance with bills, uh, technology support, tutoring opportunities, and uh, transportation. So those are some of the, the most um, critical needs that have been identified by the um, by parents. And in and in terms of um, our perspective of things, we we have not had any um, anyone from Indian Ed or community engagement reaching out to our organization to link us or link parents and families with with us which I find pretty um, horrendous, you know, given the fact that we do have resources. We just are not always able to reach families because we don't have access to where they're located um, through, you know, through the district. And we also, another issue that's been a problem for us that we have a lot of concerns about is this um, this Licton Springs principle. So this is a this is a principle that had been um, she resigned from Washington Middle School, which this is all well documented under pressure from lawsuits that were filed by Black and Brown. Um, uh, parents to address her disproportionate uh, discipline practices towards black and brown students. And so she resigned from Washington Middle School and there was a letter from the superintendent um, that um, admonished her and then um and then at the same time elevated her back into a principal position and assigned her at Lichten Springs. Lichten Springs previously was Pinehurst um back under Jose Banda and at that time Pinehurst parents and students worked with UNEA and community to establish um a proposal to make it a native focused school. And at the time, we recognized that that was really important to have a continuum of education. You know, this is before Indian Heritage High School Middle College was closed. And we saw it as a great opportunity, really, to foster and develop and grow grow community, you know, grow that um, K-12 connection with the Native Focus to support a, a student population that has historically been very underserved and marginalized. And um, 
so what we've seen now with Lichten Springs is that now they're, they've been moved out of the Robert Eagle Staff Building where they were, um, there was not a equitable um, space or, or funding or support there. And they moved them to a location, Webster Building, which is pretty deep in Ballard. And we all know that right now that there's just a big mess with the busing situation. So likely this school, which was an alternative school supporting that native focus, um, is now looking to be transformed into a mainstream, just a neighborhood school, which for us, that's a big loss. You know, that's a tremendous loss. Yeah, it so sounds like... Yeah. Yes, yeah, Sarah, it sounds like dismantling. They're, they're taking the program it, apart. And, and I guess my question would be, is the current administration of Seattle Public Schools uh, still making the decisions? They are making these decisions. And, I mean, I we, we have raised this issue multiple times this year. Um, it, it became a red flag for me back in um, the summer. And, of course, we're in COVID and parents are harder to reach and families are harder to get a hold of. But um, the families that I did talk with, they said that they were pretty upset and that there was um, – that this new principal and and I and I've also spoken with teachers who choose to not be identified because we know the district has a history of retaliation and um and abuse that's, and that's what this sounds like yeah yeah well, Sarah here's here's what I'm going to suggest uh, there's a new sheriff in town his name is Dr Brent Jones yeah. and uh, I know him personally and I know he's concerned with all the students and stuff uh, in the school district including all their needs. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to see, I'm going to give you, uh, and I'm going to ask Dr. Brent Jones to reach out to you as superintendent to hear from you and the parents who have these concerns. So I don't know. I think he starts uh, in a couple of weeks, I think. Is it, is mm -hmm. it May? Does he start take over April 1st or May 1st? I know Juno is departing. Mm -hmm. But what I'm going to do is I'll reach out to him. I'll find out when it would be appropriate for him to meet with you and the other parents that have concerns. And that's the bit as we're going to the top. And if those other principals had problems before, we know uh, Juno uh, uh, didn't know, you know, she, and she doesn't, I'm to be honest with you, she just didn't care, it's obvious. And yeah. so oh, yeah. she's leaving early. So uh, I, will, I will talk with Dr. Jones to find out the appropriate process and procedure to get you together to resolve these problems. There should be no way on this earth, students are going to school hungry, being mistreated, mm -hmm. and then having the staff being abused. And you know, if someone doesn't care about a certain group of people, or they, you know, they shouldn't be in education. They should be mm -hmm. riveting planes at Boeing or something. They don't need to be dealing with people. And unfortunately, a lot of people who have credentials need to be doing something, working as a tech in technology as opposed to working with actual people. So. I'll make that commitment to you on the fair air. I will reach out to Dr. Brent Jones, and also I'll also have him get a copy. I have Eric, the, the, the master of the boards uh, that runs the, the program. I'll see if he can take an excerpt of your interview, and I will email that to Dr. Brent Jones. So that just will be on me. So, Sarah, we want to thank you very much today for sharing that information. It will, it will, it will not fall on deaf ears. It will go to Dr. Brent Jones 
Hopefully, Dr. Brenner's listening right now. But anyway, uh, if he is, he knows what, what he's going to be faced with. But he's up to the challenge. He will get something done. He's a great humanitarian, uh, in addition to being a great uh, administrator, organizer. Uh, he's the person for the job. And it's unfortunate he can't be the permanent principal. We'll talk about that later. So Sarah Sets Wilson, thank you very much. And for you and uh, you and NEA, for all you guys do for the, the students. We appreciate you. Oh, thank, thank you. you both very, very much. I really appreciate it. And, and I look forward to speaking with Dr. Brent Jones very soon. Okay, then. Thank you, Sarah. All right. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. All right. Okay, so Eric, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Hayward. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Okay, we got to go in a hurry, but I just want to give a shout out of, of uh, uh, Larry and Rhonda Gossel to celebrating their 46th wedding anniversary today. A shout out for them and a shout out of condolence to Yvonne Benjamin Shabazz, who's a member of the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. And also uh, my good friends of uh, the Mitchell family, Ms. Potty May Mitchell Pass. Want to thank Sound Transit, the city of Seattle, the Port of uh, Seattle, uh, me and Rice. Want to also thank uh, the Port Commissioners and want to thank SeaTac Bar Group LLC, Concourse Concessions. And we'll be talking with Hayward. I'll be talking with you again next week. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> <laughs>